and welcome everyone to our fourth and final episode in our series on abortion rights in Europe. I'm Mira and I'm hosting you today from Brussels. Today's topic is abortion rights in Slovakia. Many of you might be aware of the rollback on abortion in Poland, of which we spoke in our second episode, but there are many more European countries which abortion rights situation is worth shedding a light on. We saw this in our last episode on abortion rights in Germany. So here we are with Daniela Muzikova, uh, campaigns and media coordinator of Amnesty Slovakia. Hello, Daniela. I'm pleased to have you here today um, and would really like to ask you to give a short introduction on your person to the listeners. The floor is to you. Hello, everybody. Thank you very much for the invitation. I'm really happy to be here, <laughs> uh, even though not on the topic, but that's uh, what we need to deal with. <laughs> uh, so my name is Daniela Muzikova. I uh, work for uh, Amnesty International as a campaign coordinator, and I also deal with the communication. Uh, my main focus is on uh, LGBT plus rights, but I also deal a lot with uh, women's rights. So uh, this is quite a uh, field of my expertise. Great. Sounds like we have the right person here. Um, <laughs> I'm pleased. Uh, well, I'm pleased to be able to speak uh, to you and ask you a few questions on abortion in Slovakia today. I think this will round up um, our episode series on abortion rights very well, shedding a light from uh, the German perspective, Polish perspective, the EU politics perspective to finally Slovakia. Um, so the Slovakian government has frequently, one could even say regularly, tried to roll back abortion rights in the country. Every time, uh, gladly, the proposed legislation was rejected by a narrow majority in the parliament. Um, the most recent try is not, not that long ago, if I'm right. Um, but I don't want to take anything away from our interview, um, so I think I just directly jump into the into today's questions. Um, so, Daniela, as a first question to you, could you enlighten our listeners and me on the current legislative framework that covers abortion in Slovakia? Yeah, of course. So, uh, the first thing is that our legislation uh, is based in the law from uh, 1986. So uh, it's pretty old legislation. It's been updated since, of course, but the, the basics are uh, from the times of uh, Czechoslovakian Socialistic Republic still. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the basic uh, legal frame is that the woman shall have her pregnancy artificially terminated upon request uh, until 12 uh, weeks, of course, as is usual in Europe. And, uh, of course, she can have the pregnancy terminated uh, for medical reasons with her consent or at her instigation if her life or health is uh, in, uh, in danger. And, of course, uh, it can be happening also when the fetus is endangered or if there is a genetic defect on the fetus. So it's a pretty classical framework. Uh, also, people younger than 18 years old can uh, go under the... Abortion, uh, if person are uh, 16 years uh, or a bit older, uh, of course, they need to have a consent of their legal guardian. But it's possible for them also to, uh, to have the abortion. What's uh, quite interesting in this law, uh, the first clause of it uh, says that unwanted pregnancies are prevented primarily by education for planned and responsible parenthood in the family, schools and healthcare institutions. And that's, I will come to it a bit later, but it's quite funny fact because we technically don't have uh, real sex education in Slovakia. 
So the, the law, we are dealing with it quite a lot lately, uh, but what they are stating is not true in practice. So that's basically the framework and uh, also the start of how it's not corresponding with the reality we are living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you very much uh, to, for that insight. Um, at the moment, it seems like from listening to what you said, it seems like the framework is a pretty firm framework and it's not as restrictive as what we've heard with Poland. And luckily that's not the case for the moment. However, we're here to discuss the frequent attempts to actually roll back on this framework. And uh, this is something I would like to hear from you now is um, that the government, as I said, has been trying to roll back on this framework frequently. And I, I think it's been a few, couple of years every time they're trying to propose the same legislation so could you enlighten us on uh, what kind of restrictions are foreseen in that legislation and how that would change the current legislative framework that you described describe just now uh, yeah as you said uh, within the last two years there has been 19 attempts to uh, restrict uh, abortion legislation so this one was number 19 and uh, Funny enough, or ironically enough, uh, the name of the law was Law on Help for Pregnant Women, uh, because this legislation included also some uh, quote-unquote positive changes, like uh, uh, extra money uh, for women who uh, give birth to child with a defect or handicap. Uh, so there were some like helpful measures as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, most of the law was uh, based on how to restrict the, the access to abortion. So the most discussed and uh, one of the most problematic was the extent of mandatory waiting period. Currently, we have a mandatory waiting period of 48 hours. Uh, so from the moment a pregnant person asks uh, to have abortion until the moment the abortion is done. And they wanted to extend this uh, mandatory waiting period until uh, 96 hours, so from two days to four days, which would cover every abortion except when a woman's health or life is in immediate risk. Mm -hmm. uh, this uh, was problematic from multiple reasons. First, uh, mandatory waiting period is not necessary. Uh, it's a medical agreement that is not necessary to undergo any waiting period. It's the recommendations of uh, WHO uh, and many other organizations, uh, medical and human rights. Uh, and also uh, this fact could uh, make uh, abortion impossible for some women in Slovakia. I will come to it a bit later, but uh, the problem is that this waiting period could push some women to uh, go twice to the same uh, hospital, which might not be in their city or even in their uh, county. And it adds uh, extra costs, extra time, which not all women have. So that's uh, one of the a lot of problems. Another problem is that we don't have uh, legally or uh, by some uh, non-written rules uh, exactly pointed what is immediate uh, risk to health or life. So situations like happened a uh, couple of months ago in Poland uh, with that uh, woman who died because the, the doctors didn't uh, provide the, the abortion could happen as well. Uh, especially if we are talking about the fact that uh, 12 weeks is a relatively short period 
uh, of course, what our lawmakers didn't take in consideration is that you don't know right away that you are pregnant. A couple of weeks until you find out. So it can happen that the four days waiting period can get you over the 12 weeks waiting. And therefore, after 12 weeks, you cannot undergo the, uh, the abortion. So that was one of the biggest issues uh, in law. Another problem was uh, there was proposed prohibition on so-called advertising on the need or the availability of abortion care, uh, which, uh, excuse my French, is completely ludicrous <laughs> because uh, what they meant is that doctors or um, medical uh, institutions couldn't provide information that they provide abortion, how they provide it, how much it costs. Uh, of course, like it was very unclear what they could and couldn't say. And we already know that a lot of uh, doctors or especially hospitals don't provide the information clearly. A lot of informations are not on their websites or even when you call them, you don't uh, get the information from them. So uh, it would make the, the access to information impossible. Uh, and also uh, this uh, prohibition uh, part of it was that the, the, the information which our doctor providing to the pregnant women who decided to terminate the pregnancy don't have to be based on medical scientific facts. They could be provided by the organizations uh, of interest, like NGOs, which probably mostly uh, would be church organizations, giving the biased information not based on the medical facts. Yeah. So that was another problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that's an issue I wanted to touch upon uh, in the next um, question. But I was um, so, of course, this kind of situation that you explained here and what was proposed in the bill kind of reminds me a bit of what we heard for the German podcast, where it, there's a restriction on advertisement for abortion. And obviously that leads to women having less information about what kind of abortion they can have, what they can seek, where they can go. And that restricts women and maybe pushes them over this 12 week limit that you already mentioned. So um, you already touched upon the church. That's the topic we want to get on um, in the next question. So as you said, this is um, the 19th attempt to restrict abortion in Slovakia, which is crazy. Like, I can't even, it's a, it's a crazy number of times that the government has tried this. But obviously, there's a lot of hope that 19 times it was rejected as well. But so... The European Parliament, following these 19 attempts, um, has made a landscape assessment of abortion rights in Slovakia and said that some political parties misuse the emotional debate on abortion to conceal more serious political problems. Um, I wanted to ask you if you think that this assessment is a correct assessment of the situation and if you have an, any other reasons um, that might exist um, and could explain these multiple attempts of the government to roll back on abortion in Slovakia. Well, uh, it's highly probable that uh, what the parliament says is true, but uh, I would say it's like half of it. Okay. Uh, you have part of the political sector who, of course, needs to cover up more burning issues, which are not really taken care of. And uh, there is also part of the MPs who are just ideological. Like the, the people, the MPs who brought this uh, law and multiple others, 
where uh, basically uh, the governing party, uh, they have so-called Christian Union, which is part of the, the leading party in the parliament. Mm -hmm. And they are bringing these laws. The, the second uh, party which is bringing this uh, attempt is uh, fascist party. So a uh, very lovely company, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's partially the the need to, to cover up the problems, and partially is uh, really the ideology which serves to the first half. So uh, that's that's somewhere in the middle. Okay, um, so if you say partly, of course, the ideology, um, I would be interested in knowing what role the church plays here, because obviously we have European countries where church and state is very um, um, a distinct entities. Let's say France, they have the laicity is very distinct. Um, how is the situation in Slovakia? Does the church play a role in this ideology um, that parties represent? I would say yes. We have this uh, long-term bias. Uh, Slovakia, also based on our constitution, is a secular state. We are not based on any religion or ideology. On the other hand, we, as many other countries in Europe, have the agreement with Holy See. And uh, based on that agreement, for example, um, we have also a conscious objection. That, that is based on this contract with, uh, with the Vatican. So uh, even though on paper we are secular, in reality it's a bit different. The uh, problem is that uh, we are talking not church in general, we are talking the Catholic Church, mm -hmm. uh, which is also part of this, like uh, only based on uh, your Catholic belief, you can apply uh, conscious objection. For example, a Muslim doctor doesn't have the religion as excuse. So there is also a big problem of this, that it's uh, mm -hmm. e even this rule is biased. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, the, the problem is that uh, the Catholic Church in Slovakia is uh, still applying a lot of pressure when, when there are topics not only about abortions, when we are talking LGBT rights, for example. They are always the first one to make a statement to support the uh, abusive, restrictive part of the political spectrum, saying that no, these people don't have their rights. So it's pretty strong. And even though a lot of people, especially younger generations, uh, are not really under influence of church, but in this kind of topics, they tend to just listen or say like, yeah, it's the church who's saying that we, we are not here to fight it. So let's um, bring in the very strong bias in the population. And of course, the people who are strongly believing that they are right from both sides, but uh, of course, the, the church has a bigger population, are pressing uh, their ideology upon the rest. So in this term, yeah, they, they have pretty strong impact. Yeah, that's very interesting to hear. Uh, I think coming from Germany, um, we don't, I, I haven't experienced this like this and I'm quite young, I'm 22. Um, so it's interesting to hear that even young people tend to listen to the church statements 
um, and opinions on certain issues like LGBT, um, which is obviously a big issue as well, um, human rights problem in the east of Europe and also on abortion we're speaking about today. Um, I just want to have a feed-in question, which I didn't ask before, which was about the topic of contentious objection you mentioned. Would you be able um, to let us know uh, what this term really means and how it affects women seeking abortion? Yeah, of course. Uh, so, conscious uh, objection uh, is a legal option to refuse act uh, in a way that uh, would go against your Catholic belief in, in Slovak context. Uh, you can uh, use it as a doctor uh, in specific cases uh, in the legal world, so uh, as a judge, for example. Uh, but it's mainly used by the medical personnel. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I said, it's uh, based uh, on the contract that Slovakia has uh, with the Holy See. Uh, it's mainly used, of course, in, uh, in cases of uh, abortions and gynecologists in general, uh, but not only. Doctors and personal working in the pharmacies are uh, using it uh, when we are talking about selling the uh, contraception pills or any contraception methods. So, of course, they, they will not sell it to you or the, the pill after, uh, because it's against their belief. Mm -hmm. And uh, it goes up even further. Uh, I will use here a bit data from the organization uh, Freedom of Choice, uh, which is an organization in Slovakia dealing uh, mainly with the uh, uh, rights to abortion and bodily autonomy. And they uh, made a research uh, where they find out uh, how it's really accessible the, the healthcare and, and it has a lot to do with the uh, conscious objection because uh, they mapped uh, 70 healthcare, healthcare facilities but they found out that 34% uh, of them refused to provide legal abortion right away mm -hmm. and another 23% uh, lack the consistent information on the topic so you cannot really tell if they do or do not provide this service. Uh, and as they find out, uh, a lot of those facilities are in more religious parts of country. Uh, so there is kind of correlation in between uh, cities and counties, uh, which can be pretty huge, where people cannot really access the abortion at all. So they need to go to the other part of the Republic. And it, of course, make it all, uh, more complicated. Because uh, we don't have a law which says that uh, in your facility you need to employ at least one doctor who doesn't apply the conscious objection. You, you cannot force uh, people to do that or mm -hmm. facilities to do that. So it creates a huge limbo in a good part of the Republic. Yeah. Oh, this is uh, this conscientious objection is something that I haven't heard um, before, and we've done a lot on abortion, um, but it's some some kind of framework or rule that I haven't heard of before, which obviously limits uh, women's access to abortion a lot and creates, as you said, these inner country. Uh, disparities as well because I imagine from what I understood is that a woman in a certain part which is more religious in Slovakia uh, will have less access to abortion than a woman which lives in a more um, a less religious part and where doctors uh, would not refer to this uh, contentious objection uh, option so in that sense that's the first barrier uh, to women um, 
wanting uh to access abortion in Slovakia, would you, and I think you touched on them before already, but can I ask you to uh, elaborate a bit more on what what kind of barriers Slovakian women encounter uh, currently uh, in accessing abortion in Slovakia? Of course, if we are talking about legal barriers, uh, there is the waiting period, the mandatory 48 hours, and uh, also the non-existence of uh, chemical abortion because uh, in Slovakia we only do the, the mechanical way of uh, abortions uh, so that's uh, on the legal side uh, on the practical side uh, there is as I say lack of information uh, which is followed by a uh, lack of uh, medical centers providing abortions so really it can happen uh, that if you are living, for example, in the extreme east of the country, uh, you, you must travel 200 kilometers from your house uh, to get the abortion. If you count the fact that you need to have 48 hours between the decision and the operation itself, it means that the person needs to or stay somewhere for 48 hours or go there and back. We are talking uh, a lot of cases, women who already has families, who need to take care of their children, who need to go to work. It's it's not only like, yeah, 48 hours, you can wait 48 hours. The, the practical issues there are huge, especially in, in counties and cities where uh, there's no medical center providing the service. Uh, also the prices. Uh, the, the same research I mentioned uh, before uh, found out that the full fee, if we are counting everything, uh, are about 400 euros. If we are counting the traveling, it could go even to 500 euros for abortion, which is uh, not so small amount of money because it's about 35% of average monthly wage in Slovakia. While we need to count on the fact that uh, not everybody earns this average monthly wage, it can go to 50, 60% of the income. So if you count in the taking consideration that uh, we are a lot of times talking about people with multiple children already or uh, women who are um, self-providers, so there's uh, no partner providing for the family, it's a huge money. Not everybody can afford that. Mm -hmm. So, of course, that's, uh, that's a big problem. And of course, lack of uh, information, not only uh, in terms of uh, abortion and abortion services, but also lack of information in terms of sex education, as I mentioned before, that people a lot of times don't know how to prevent it. And I'm not talking about teenagers here. I'm talking about adult people who still don't have enough information, enough access to um, contraception, which is also a big part of the problem. Yeah. I think it's an overall, it's it's not only from what you're saying, it's not only got to do with um, abortion and seeking abortion, but only also seeking a contraception. So there's a there's there's really a lot of barriers that women encounter when it's about their sexual and reproductive rights. Um, you said in your what you just mentioned that in Slovakia, um, there you only have um, uh, you have the well you only have the mechanical abortion and not the chemical abortion um so i presume like 
chemical abortion means abortion with drugs. Um, how come how come you you only have that one type? I know how come you don't have the chemical abortion? Because I'm sure many European countries now allow this type of abortion. Well, frankly, that's a good question all of us is asking, mm. including a huge part of the uh, prof medical professionals, because there is a general agreement between medical professionals in Slovakia that, yeah, of course, uh, abortion by pill is uh, less invasive, is better for the body, for the person in every term. But yet uh, our law doesn't allow uh, chemical abortion that uh, also it's a uh, part of the counter law which was suggested at the same time as the last attempt uh one of other mps uh suggested that we should put this in the law that it's possible to uh, to provide abortion by pill it didn't pass as well uh but yeah it's uh frankly it's a question for all of us who are dealing with this topic that why why is like this and especially we know that a lot of people in Slovakia are seeking for this care or online, so they order the pill from the internet and they don't go to the clinic at all. Uh, or uh, if they can afford it, they travel to uh, Austria, mm. where it's possible to do it this way. Mm. So as we have a lot of Polish women come in uh, to, to undo the abortion because they can't at home, a lot of Slovak women is going further and they choose the, the less invasive method or they really order it online, uh, which of course can be questionable because the sources are not always reliable. Mm -hmm. So it's putting the, the lives of the pregnant women in risk as yes, well. Yes, definitely. Even the distances to travel to Austria for abortion, that should not be the case. Um, it's, it's really exposing women to a danger that is unnecessary in the sense that pills exist which are a lot safer way of um, seeking abortion so thank you on shedding uh, for shedding a light on that um, the EU has also assessed um, uh, abortion services for women in the EU and there's a specific report on Slovakia that recommends removing obligatory waiting periods before abortion it also recommends ensuring that personal data is not provided to authorities but stays in personal medical documentation um, and furthermore uh, it um, supports the revision of a list for when abortion can be provided and finally also the inclusion of a case uh, of rape or intimate partners violence into the legal framework in Slovakia. Does this, um, does this uh, correspond to your recommendations as well and uh, what are your recommendations beyond this to improve and change the situation in Slovakia that you have outlined so well before? Yeah, well, I think we can uh, only agree with all these recommendations. Uh, I just uh, put a little note which I forgot before uh, that uh, ensuring the, that personal data is not provided to authorities, etc., is uh, the last thing which was problematic in the in the law proposition because part of it was also that uh, women who seek abortion should provide their reason why mm -hmm. and the way how this data would be collected. Uh, was very questionable. It was very questionable if it's going to be really anonymous, if those data will not leak and therefore put uh, not only privacy but uh, sometimes safety of those women in danger. 
so yeah, we, we fully agree with uh, all the framework the EU put in here. Uh, but as I mentioned, uh, the bigger issues are not the law itself. The, the law is not bad. As a lot of stuff in Slovakia, we don't have a bad legal framework. Just the execution of it doesn't really work. So uh, really the, the financial uh, trouble which is uh, coming with the necessity of abortion is a big one. So it would be really helpful uh, if the abortion would be fully or almost fully covered by the health insurance because it's a necessary health care and that's how it should be treated. Uh, another thing is uh, also change the full accessibility of abortion services. So really, uh, as I mentioned, it's impossible 21st century and we have still uh, counties and cities where you can't access the safe and timely abortion because of uh, somebody's conscious. Uh, so if it would be uh, legally entitled that every hospital which is providing gynecology services also provide the, the abortions no matter the conscious objection, that would really help. It will really save a lot of time, money, and unwanted pregnancies, and it uh, not healthy way. Uh, also, uh, the access to information, uh, even further, as I mentioned, not only uh, what abortion is, where you can seek it, and how it's uh, happening, but also information about the prevention of un on unwanted uh, pregnancies. So, of course real application of sexual education as it mentioned in theory in the law but make it real make it not only some some construct which uh, teachers with will apply in schools but only those who wants to is the same as uh, with the abortion services but really really make the the education as a primer fact of education of young people and also of adults to give them information to provide the, the contraception methods. It's very important. It's not only about the abortions itself, it's how to really fight them. And uh, as was mentioned also in the uh, EU reports, uh, I will uh, stress this part about the sexual intimate violence. Uh, we also in Slovakia, it uh, starts the second year now of our campaign. Uh, let's talk about yes. Uh, we are trying to change the legislation as many other countries already did. Uh, so the rape legislation would be consent-based. And it's also a big part of it to really acknowledge that uh, sexual violence happens also in relationships, also in marriages. Mm -hmm. And it's a big reason of unwanted pregnancies. Of course, not only uh, the data and the information and the education, it's a lot of times it's a tool of power how the abusers are keeping their victims with them. So we really need to uh, take all this framework about domestic and sexual violence and uh, make the, these changes in every aspect of it, including unwanted pregnancies and their termination. So that would be basically the the best changes we would recommend. <laughs> yeah, I think your recommendations are totally reasonable for what you um, what you outlined before, and obviously they 
they also correspond to the EU framework. But I also think it's important to uh, focus a bit more on prevention, as you mentioned. And actually, this is a whole problem a woman has. It's, it hasn't. A woman doesn't have proper access to. Um, to pills uh, to prevent an uh, an unwanted uh, unwanted uh, pregnancy in the first place and then when an unwanted pregnancy happens she doesn't even have proper access to abortion and obviously some women are disadvantaged in this case those that live more in a christian area in slovakia as you mentioned um so now we've really got a good uh, idea about what the abortion framework is like in uh, Slovakia. Now, I'm wondering if um, the attempt of limiting abortion rights um, that have happened so many years um, until now is part of a wider rollback on women's rights in Slovakia. Is there some tendency to also roll back women's rights in other areas except for abortion? Or is this just limited to abortion? Well, uh, if we are talking women's rights or LGBT rights, it's, uh, it's one yeah. category. In Slovakia, it's always a hot topic. Mm -hmm. You know, like, uh, every time you try to bring up uh, equal wages or relationship violence or unpaid household labor, body autonomy in any sense. We are not talking about uh, abortions only, but uh, sexualized violence and harassment. It's always a problem. So. Mm -hmm. Yes, we will do that, but there is not a good political climate for it, or a lot of people are claiming that these rights are something extra. Like, why are you asking for it? Mm. Like, there is nothing to fight for. So I'm not sure I would call it a rollback, but it's this very uh, secret, hidden uh, pressure and violence and abuse of rights which of course are normal and uh, a lot of politicians and therefore of course a lot of people are trying to persuade uh, people around them that it's something extra as uh, women and LGBT people are asking something extra if they're asking their basic rights. Mm. So of course, and you can see it uh, then in practice, uh, if you have the, the legal decisions made on the courts, which are, yeah, this didn't happen. Yeah, this didn't wasn't violence. This wasn't rape. This uh, this wasn't nothing. This mm -hmm. didn't happen. So you you can see it in practice, and of course it can be chilling. Also, the way how uh, people seeking uh, justice, for example, after violence, no matter kind of violence, are treated, is really chilling. If you see uh, the the torture the uh, person who uh, who has been abused or who has been harassed need to go through you think twice if you really want to go there and go through it mm. so it's really very very subtle uh, way of uh, violence and very subtle way of pushing people back and especially uh, women and LGBT people to, to push them back and to tell them you shouldn't ask for this this is not your right because it's something extra, we don't want you to talk about it and, and do something about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a really, I would I would have said subtle uh, suppression, indirect suppression of uh, women's and also LGBT rights. Um, and of course, these are uh, no demands. These are, these should be 
the, the rights that women and LGBTQ community are asking for are rights that should be there from the first place and that should not be restricted by any legislation, such as the legislation on abortion. Um, as we saw in a podcast before on Germany, any and also on Poland, actually, any abortion, any uh, legislation that exists on abortion is limiting. And in some sense, um, I really ask myself why there is a legislation on abortion. It should be up to every woman to decide uh, which which beliefs she follows. Um, but yeah, this is exactly why I'm doing this episode and this series uh, with my group from Amnesty International to actually understand why certain countries, which reasons they offer uh, to limit and to have restrictions on abortion. So as a last question, I would like to ask you, what role you see for European institutions to play here, taking into consideration that this issue is much broader than just a question of health, but it's a question of women's rights, it's a question of accessibility. Um, it's not just abortion, it's the overall access to health, uh, to health services, uh, to the equal access, certainly. So what role do you see for European institutions to play here? I will more speak uh, for me now, yeah. uh, but I believe uh, most of Amnesty Slovakia could agree that, uh, in my opinion, the role of EU institution is a watchdog. Like uh, mm -hmm. the EU should look closely not only on our legislation, but also uh, how we implement it in practice. As we mentioned, it's the bigger problem here, and so they should really inspect what we really follow. If we really follow the rules and the values. Uh, on which the EU stands and which we uh, signed for accepting and providing. And of course, Slovakia is part of the uh, European Union and so our officials are obliged to follow the laws and ground principles of the uh, Union, including uh, the most basic part which is respecting and protecting human rights. Mm -hmm. And therefore the obligation of EU should be make sure that uh, local governments, including ours, should, uh, is really truly doing so and uh, if it's supposed to be violation of human rights in any way uh, it should act on it so it's in the wider context this is not only about the abortions as you said it's any human rights violation should be watchdog and should be not maybe persecuted but really taking care of really really watched really taking measures that it will not happen again mm. not overlooked Exactly. And I think that's exactly what the EU is trying to um, develop into. I would say it's not yet a watchdog, because if we see, if we look at Poland, Hungary, of course, every country has access to the European Union um, while also committing to certain values. But obviously, we can see that these values can be turned back uh, like they are in Poland and in Hungary. So in some sense, the EU is trying to find its role as the watchdog to protect exactly women's rights, LGBT rights, or ev everything that commits to human rights. And these countries have committed to human rights. So we, as Amnesty International, also call on these countries to respect people, people's decisions and people's rights to, for example, abortion in our case here. 
So in this sense, um, I think I've come to the end of the interview and I would like to thank you, Daniela, for taking the time today to um, tell us a bit more about uh, the abortion situation in Slovakia. Um, I think we've learned amazing things. I have learned that the Slovakian um, legislation on abortion actually already exists since um, 1987 and that base is the basis for a rule that applies today obviously completely outdated um, and that already 19 attempts were made to restrict abortion which uh, obviously what which wanted to introduce things like mandatory wait longer mandatory waiting periods um, and restrictions on advertisement um, of abortion On the other hand, you also uh, mentioned the church's influence and how that also leads to inner country disparities. Uh, so women from a more Christian uh, Christian area might not have the same access to abortion as women from a more um, unbiased area. And then um, I thought the topic on contentious objection was very interesting as well. And the stats that you mentioned uh, for it, because it is true. It, and it's really shocking that out of 70 healthcare facilities, uh, 30 few refer refused abortion because of their religious beliefs. And in my opinion, a doctor should not be based on religious beliefs and a doctor's action shouldn't, but should help in the first place a patient to achieve a better health um, and to actually get his right to health and to fulfill the right to health. So in that sense, I thought um, what you told us about Slovakia, it was very, very interesting. And of course, it was even more interesting. And I'm always for this. I think our listener know, know this, what the EU can play, what role the EU can play um, as a watchdog. And I thought that that was a good kind of ending ending phrase to this episode series on yes the EU is there the EU represents certain values and these values have to be um, represented in each of the European countries be this Poland Germany um, or Slovakia and I think the, this rounds up the episode series back to our first episode um, which was with the MEP Irene Toleri on uh, who strong, strongly advocates for abortion rights in the European Parliament and we do hope that the EU does more and that also national governments take and respect the European values that we all represent um, in their policies and in their future amendments to rules. So in this sense, I would like to say thank you very much, uh, Daniela. And um, yes, I hope you enjoyed your time here. Thank you very much. It was really lovely. Hopefully next time on a nicer topic. Exactly. <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> Thank you.